Paul has been stuck in jail in Caesarea for a few years now, and he's now facing a new administration. So we're going to see what changes this means for him and for the gospel in chapter 25. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me as we dive into episode 127 today. We're going to pray through Acts chapter 25, but before we do that, we are going to start with a bit of worship. And to do that today, we'll be in one verse from Acts 25. It's 15, 25, 15. And it says, I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. This is Paul speaking. And let's just go to prayer real quick. Father, I want to just affirm this morning that our hope is in you. Like Paul, we have a hope in God. And we believe that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I think I want to bring these out this morning just to lay before you and before the world that we believe that you are ultimately truth and justice. God is in control and he is righteous and just as a judge as well. Father, I just affirm that this morning, that our hope is in you And we recognize that you have the authority and the right to make judgments over the people on this earth because we are your created people. We are here because you brought us into this world and we recognize uh, that you are both our authority and our hope this morning. Thank you for making this opportunity available to us that we can come before you with a whole group of people from all over the country and, and all over the world and speak to you today, that we have that hope because Jesus made a sacrifice on my behalf, that I can come before you, that I can have um, fellowship and an unbroken relationship because Jesus fixed the things that I put between us. And I honor you for that. Recognize your sacrifice, Jesus, and thank you for that this morning. As we go forward in prayer, I pray that you would give me words. I'm stumbling over words today, not so much right now, but so far this morning, that's been what's been happening and never having quite the right word at my, at my tongue. And so I just ask for you to take control of this time. Give me the words and the thoughts that you want to be in this place and I thank you for meeting us here, for being present as we, as we pray and have this conversation. Pray that you would change our hearts the way you need them to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so let's jump into Acts chapter 25. Today we are going to start this chapter with Paul facing a brand new administration. As a reminder, what the situation is in this chapter, Paul has been imprisoned in Caesarea for two years on trumped up charges by the Jews in Jerusalem. And now we have had a change of power. Felix has been removed from power and Festus has taken over as governor. And he is trying to figure out what to do with Paul and what the charges are now that he's in power. 
If a Roman citizen has not broken any specific Roman statute, he could appeal his case to the emperor. And that's what you see him doing in this chapter, because they were not being able to find any real Roman grounds for his charges. This seemed to be to them just a religious dispute, and that really wasn't anything that they could make a judgment on. And so Paul was able to appeal to Caesar to be tried by the emperor himself. So that made any decision that Festus or Agrippa was going to make completely irrelevant. But Festus had to send a legal brief with him to Rome. So he consults in the second half of this chapter with Agrippa. The Jewish king Herod Agrippa II ruled over a portion of mostly Gentile northern Palestine, and he was constantly trying to make peace between the Romans and the Jews. He was the official head of Judaism, which is interesting as well, having been given that, given that position by another emperor, Emperor Claudius. So it was his responsibility to appoint the high priest, among other things. And he would have been the logical person to consult in this case because Festus is, is a Roman citizen, doesn't really know all the ins and outs of this Jewish religion. And so Agrippa, being Jewish was and responsible for Judaism, was the logical person to consult. We'll also see Bernice mentioned she was his sister who moved in with him after her husband's death. There were rumors of incest. Uh, and she later became mistress to a few different emperors. So that kind of catches you up on who we have in this chapter. We're going to get to prayer. And there are a lot of things in this chapter that kind of had to happen in order for Paul to get to Rome. I'm going to read through most of it. I'll stop occasionally for some small prayer, but there may be more reading than praying today. And then we might just do an overall thing at the end. So that's where we start. Let's get into it. Acts chapter 25 says this, three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. The chief priests and the leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him, and they appealed asking for a favor against Paul, that Festus would summon him to Jerusalem. They were, in fact, preparing an ambush along the road to kill him. Festus, however, answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was about to go there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those of you who have authority go down with me and accuse him if he has done anything wrong. Let's stop there real quick. If you remember about a chapter or maybe two chapters ago, there was a group of 40 Jews who were conspiring to ambush Paul, and they got support from the chief priests and the leaders. Now we have the chief priests and the leaders who were actively um, making an ambush against Paul to kill him. Father, they didn't give up. Like The opposition to Paul didn't go away. It got different. It, it changed a little. It shifted. But the opposition never went away. And I pray that as we walk through our own calling, as we do the things that you've asked us to do and we're successful in a portion of it and we feel like, okay, so things ought to get easier now. And if they don't, help us to remember this situation. Opposition to you doesn't disappear. It's not going to disappear until new heaven and new earth give us just that realization, I think, that will help put that into perspective, that we aren't here to eliminate opposition. We are here simply to keep responding to it. And this is one of those cases that we can look to in Scripture to remind us. Paul dealt with this his whole career. His whole career. It never got easier. In fact, in some ways, it got more difficult. Uh, but 
help us as we walk through these things in our own life to realize that the opposition isn't going to go away. And that's okay. There's That's not the point, though. The point isn't that opposition uh, is eliminated. It, the point is that we just keep declaring your victory over it. All right. Scripture goes on to say, When he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea. The next day, seated at the tribunal, he commanded Paul to be brought in. When he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. Then Paul made his defense, neither against the Jewish law, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I sinned in any way. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, replied to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem to be tried before me there on these charges? Paul replied, I'm standing at Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as even you yourself know very well. If then I did anything wrong and I'm deserving of death, I'm not trying to escape death. But if there's nothing to what these men accuse me of, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then, after Festus conferred with his counsel, he replied, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. Now, that gets us through about half the chapter, but let's stop there for just a minute. Father, these machinations of kings and kingdoms and how all of our decisions fit together and the choices that we make, these things are all under your control, even when we don't understand them. Festus wanted to do the Jews a favor, and so politically he was going to send Paul back to them effectively making the decision that Paul was at the mercy of the Sanhedrin. Paul says, no, I'm not doing that. You have no charges. You have no reason to do that, no grounds to do that. So send me to Caesar. I'm appealing to Caesar. And by those words, he sort of sealed his fate in a sense. He made a choice of a, of a path that he couldn't then turn back from. And as we walk through our lives and we see things happen that so often we don't recognize how long tail of a, of a result that our decisions make. So help us make them wisely. Help us seek after and employ wisdom in our everyday choices and in, in our choices when, it, when we're in a big event like this. This is kind of a turning point. And he's come up to this place where for two years he had been having conversations about the gospel with the governor, but not getting anywhere. And now he has a chance to make a difference to go to Jerusalem or to go to Rome, and he chooses Rome. And we'll see what effect that has on the gospel later, but I just want to ask you, as we face those everyday decisions and the big dramatic ones, even if they don't feel big and dramatic, I ask for your, um, I was just going to say wisdom again, but it kind of goes deeper that not just are we wanting some magic pill in the moment, but for us to commit to a lifestyle of seeking wisdom. So that when we're faced with those changes, we, we make them in light of your teaching and in light of your guidance. Okay, let's keep going. Several days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. Since they were staying there for several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king, saying, There's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. And when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. I answered them that it is not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for a defense against the charges. So when they had assembled here, I did not delay. The next day I took my seat in the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. 
The accuser stood up, but brought no charge against him of the evils that I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, a dead man that Paul claims to be alive. Since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things, I asked him if he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow you will hear him, he replied. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the military commanders and prominent men of the city. When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has appealed to me about him, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he should not live any longer. I found that he had not done anything deserving of death, but when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this examination is over, I may have something to write, for it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner without indicating the charges against him. That's the end of the chapter. Next chapter, we get into Paul's defense and his interaction with King Agrippa over the charges. But let's stop here for today and just pray one more time. Father, you know what happens in our lives. You know what we are about to face and what what the choices we will make will bring on. Paul didn't know what that choice was going to result in, but making the choice between essentially death in Jerusalem or potentially you're saving him in another way or taking the gospel to Rome, he chose Rome. I think it's interesting that you have put the gospel in the hands of men, in the decision-making of Felix and Festus and Agrippa and Caesar. Like, they controlled this portion of the expression, or Paul's at least, sharing the gospel in all of these ways. And it's interesting to me that no matter what they do or don't do, you had determined that the gospel was going to be preached by Paul in Rome. And this is just one more set of political circumstances that lead to that end. Nothing stops what you want to happen. When you have things in my life that need to happen, nothing can stop those. Not not me being scared, not me uh, being, okay, I started thinking about that statement. Let's stop right there. I don't want to go down that path. There's some things about what I was about to say that I don't think are actually correct. So thank you for stopping me, Spirit. Your will will come to pass. You have the power to make whatever you want come to pass. We as humans have the ability to affect how that decision, how those things come to pass. And I pray that as we walk our own paths, as we step down that journey in pursuit of the kingdom of God here on earth, I pray that we will make decisions that will bring about the biggest, the best the fastest result or the the expression of your gospel here on earth. Sometimes fastest isn't always best. So I guess really what I want is the best, the deepest, the most people involved help us to make the decisions that will bring to pass what you want in our lives. Let us participate well and wisely with your plans for our lives. And maybe that's just what it boils down to. 
our participation in what you're doing here on earth. Let our participation be with full obedience, full devotion, and an eagerness and a willingness to glorify your name, no matter what that means for us. I'm sure Paul felt like he was facing certain death in Jerusalem and that the odds in Rome weren't great for him, but they seemed better than Jerusalem. And plus, I'm sure that there was some knowing that God had told him two years ago that he needed to speak in Rome. This must have felt like his chance to make that happen. And so I pray that we would be always looking for those chances as well, those things that we can do to participate with you in your plans here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it for today. So thank you so much for joining me in prayer. If you're watching this broadcast on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page and you found it helpful, feel free to join me again. We'll be back on Monday at 10 a.m. Central with uh, the next chapter, watching Agrippa and Paul talk about his fate. (laughs) And so if you're a podcast listener, thank you for um, being with us in that medium. But also if you subscribe and share the podcast, it helps more people bring more people join us in prayer. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace on the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life in business. And my prayer is that we would all grow in our prayer lives as well. But mostly, what I really want the most is that you and I will both fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.